And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. It's DeForest Buckner reunion week. That's what all the talk is about as the 49ers get ready to take on the Indianapolis Colts. Also a chance for the 49ers to get back on a winning track. They're 2-3. and three. Bye week just happened. We talked about that on the last episode, and now it's Sunday Night Football against a team that has some talent, including a former 49ers. So, Matt, how excited are you for DeForest Buckner to make his first visit back to Levi Stadium following that big trade in 2020? Well, I know I'm going to watch on Sunday with, with my binoculars. I'm going to be watching number 99, and I imagine he'll be going up against the 49ers' right guard and, and the center quite a bit, and, and that's that's a mismatch. So this is something that the, the 49ers are going to have to have to worry about. He, he's already a very good player. I think he's going to be extra keyed up this week. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's interesting because, you know, DeForest Buckner – Coming back to Levi's, Dennis, sort of underscores Javon Kinlaw, uh, the 49ers, number 99. And he didn't practice on Wednesday, and, and that's uh, that's not new this year. Um, he hasn't practiced on, on most Wednesdays this year. But I thought that coming out of the bye, maybe that week off would have given his knee enough rest that so that he did play. Um, that he didn't is a concern, and, and Kyle Shanahan um, acknowledged that uh, today on, on Wednesday. He said that uh, they're, they're not quite sure what's happening with the knee, and he said that it's really hindered his progress. I mean, a young player needs to be out there, needs to be practicing all the time, and that hasn't happened. To his credit, he has played through most of, uh, most of these games, uh, four of the five games, and I think he's third on the team uh, among defensive uh, linemen in terms of snaps. So he's fighting through it, um, but I was wondering from you, I mean, can you tell when you watch Javon Kinlaw, and I know that he's he's somebody that you like to watch, that you're uh, not concerned about, but you're interested in, can you tell that he's kind of dealing with this, this knee injury this year? I notice him, you know, when he's running sideline to sideline that uh, you, you can tell he's got a little, got a little hobble in his, in his step, so... You know, it's good that he is he is showing up on Sundays and he's trying to work through it. That's the hardest thing about playing in the NFL is kind of working through some nagging um, injuries. And that's just part of the game, and part of the business. But, you know, playing defensive line, you have to be able to kind of play through this stuff. And it looks like he's getting to it. But it's also super important to get your reps in practice because that's when you kind of learn – different schemes uh you learn different blocking uh you know how how teams are trying to defend you or trying to block you so it's important to be in practice but you can see that you know that knee is given I don't know what the situation is with his knee but you can tell that it's 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 really kind of hindering him a little bit especially when it comes to 
running sideline to sidelines and, you know, maybe running down uh, a running back that's gotten into the second secondary. So, and then even holding double teams. I mean, you, you have to be able to, to kind of be stout there when you, when you're absorbing two blockers and you kind of see him get pushed off the ball a little bit. So it's going to be interesting to see DeForest come back and, and play against his offensive line, especially in the, the middle there. Well, they've had some issues and, and we know, we know what DeForest is. He's a he's a player that's got a quick first step. He's got a great arm over, strong. He's quick. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see. I'm sure he's going to be fired up for the football game. And at the same time, you you got to look at Eric Armstead. I mean, these are the two guys out of the two that the 49ers had to choose, and they chose to keep Eric Armstead. Last year didn't play very well. He's playing well this year. Armstead had a great season last season. Um, so. That's what I'm going to be looking at, just just how they're going to compete against each other, Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. Well, you know, the, the main thing with Javon Kinlaw's knee that's been compromised is just his, his snap count, right? You're not sure when he's going to practice. You're not sure when he's going to play. And that was one of the greatest assets that DeForest Buckner brought to the table from 2016 until 2019. He might have been the 49ers' most reliable player. Played in 66 of 67 possible games. And when you combine the special team snaps, he gave the 49ers over 1,000 snaps per season over those four years. Whereas Javon Kinlaw is on target for about 500 snaps per season in 2020 and 2021. So when, when you look at, at the move, and we can dissect it here, I, I don't know if we want to beat the dead horse again, but people seem to be in the mood to do that today if you log on social media. But I think you know overall from a analytics standpoint, from a cost management standpoint, you talk about the salary cap and you talk about the fact that uh, you know, trading DeForest Buckner away actually gave the 49ers the financial flexibility to sign many other players, including George Kittle, Jimmy Ward, potentially Nick Bosa in the future, Trent Williams. I mean, I think if you look at it from a holistic standpoint, it made absolute sense. But where the 49ers are really getting hurt right now is, you know, A, through the fact that uh, their hand-picked replacement for the position obviously isn't as good as DeForest Buckner and Javon Kinlaw, but he's also only playing about half the snaps due to the injury. And uh, this is all leading the 49ers to be murdered in the court of public opinion because the theme of the moment right now, Matt, is the 49ers' lack of availability. It's derailed uh, you know, entire season since DeForest Buckner left with those injuries in 2020, and it's threatening to derail 2021. Well, all of a sudden, you have the man himself, the Mr. Durability himself, riding into town. DeForest Buckner is here to remind the 49ers that they traded away one of their most durable players. So uh, it, on paper, the trade made sense, but we're going to see it in practice on Sunday. And I think that's why a lot of people are perturbed right now. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the 49ers did not value DeForest Buckner at, uh, at the level which the Colts did. And, and, and maybe they're right. Maybe he's not the best defensive tackle in the league and didn't deserve top money at that position. His resiliency, his durability, to me, uh, and this was evident, I thought, early, you know, after coming out of the 2019 season, it, it is worth its weight in gold. I mean, especially for this team. Uh, because it's been so injured, and especially for this team because it values the defensive line uh, over every other position but quarterback. And I just remember 
the Super Bowl. End of the season, end of a trying season. Who were your best players on the team at the end of that game? Nick Bosa was one of them. DeForest Buckner was the other. Eric Armstead eh, wasn't doing much in that game. D4 didn't do anything in that game. You know, when, when the chips were down, when it mattered the most, um, the guy who ended up playing the most snaps that year on your, on your defensive line, DeForest Buckner, was still bringing it. And uh, to me, that, that should have been all you really needed to know about that. The other thing all you need to know is that Chris Ballard is the, uh, is the GM of, of the Colts. Very highly respected GM. Very highly respected as a talent evaluator. This guy was wanting to give you his number 13 overall pick for DeForest Buckner. That, that should have been the signal uh, to them. Oh, wait, maybe we should, we should hang on to this guy. Um, and, and they didn't. And, uh, and, and I think uh, the, the, the chickens might be coming home to roost on this, Dennis, on Sunday. And if you look at the trade, you know, you, you would think the 49ers had did their, their, their due diligence and, and they did their scouting. And they said, well, listen, we can let DeForest go. Uh, we can keep Eric Armstead, Armstead sign him to a, a contract extension. And then we have this kid, Javon Kinlaw, that's going to do a little bit more because he's going to be a bigger guy and he can give us that even more push in the middle. And, you know, if you look at the trade right now, you, you might say it's a mistake. I still think Javon Kinlaw can be a, a impact player in the NFL. He's got to get past some of these nagging, nagging injuries. But the 49ers kind of, you know, they took that chance. They said, well, we'll let DeForest go. And I've, I've heard some of this, some of him some of his uh, uh, interviews with some of the 49er newspaper folks. And he says that he sat down with John Lynch and he said, listen, I want to be here, but I, w- I don't want to be devalued. And, you know, he had a he had his first child coming and he was thinking about his family. And he and he and his agent made a business decision. And, you know, it, it's worked out great for him. Um, you know, he got the money he was looking for. And, you know, he had a great season last season. He's, he's about average this season. But, um, you know, he made a business decision and, and that's the football part of it. You know, it is a business at the end of the day. And, you know, teams are always trying to look at their bottom line. But they I think the 49ers thought they were going to get a younger kid who can give them, you know, a couple things that DeForest didn't have. That was that girth uh, and that push up the middle. But it hasn't worked out that way so far. So if you look at the trade, it looks bad for the 49ers. But I still believe, like I said, Javon Kinlaw could be a dominant defensive tackle uh, in the National Football League. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? 
Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. We cannot ignore the numbers here. I know Dennis brought them up uh, as far as uh, DeForest Buckner's demands financially and the fact that he says that he was willing to you know, meet in the middle with the 49ers. But uh, for a team that is right up against the salary cap now, when you outline how the spreadsheet looked and continues to look because of this trade, it makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. DeForest Buckner ended up getting $21 million annually from the Colts, which at the time was second only to Aaron Donald of interior defensive linemen in the NFL. The 49ers, in comparison, ended up paying Eric Armstead $17 million. That's a $4 million difference over the course of you know, four years, that's eight million. Uh, th- that's you know, no amount of chump change right there. That that's quite a bit of money. And although we don't know the exact amount that the 49ers offered DeForest Buckner, we know that it's far less than that twenty one million, and it's probably somewhere near the seventeen million that Eric Armstead got, maybe a little bit higher. But with a team up against the cap. And that's where the 49ers are right now. They have like $3 million in room even after restructuring Jimmy Ward. And they're probably going to need a lot of that money to continue to operate this season. The difference between paying Armstead and paying Buckner ended up being the difference in the 49ers' ability to go after Jimmy Ward, to go after George Kittle as far as re-signings go, and potentially here in the future to go after... Uh, a guy like Nick Bosa. So so they were looking at this from a financial sustainability perspective to give you an idea of the near-term effects. The first two seasons of DeForest Buckner's cap hits for the Colts, 2020 and 2021, cost them over $40 million. The 49ers in backloading the first two seasons of Eric Armstead's contract, which was possible because he was a pending unrestricted free agent, cost only $18 million. So... Uh, There was a $22 million difference, and the 49ers turned around and spent that $22 million immediately on other players. Plus, DeForest Buckner was the much more tradable asset. Since Eric Armstead was going to be an unrestricted free agent, uh, he was not a tradable asset. Teams would have just waited until he came onto the market and uh, paid for him. But DeForest Buckner was entering his fifth-year option season in 2020, which means the 49ers were still able to get something back for him, and that was that first-round draft pick. So the way that Kyle Shanahan framed it, he said, well, I mean, it was either pay Buckner or the other option was pay two more guys, at least two more guys, and that ended up being Jimmy Ward and George Kittle and get that number 13 overall pick, which turned into Javon Kinlaw, at number 14. So th- that's how the 49ers were viewing this. The question, Matt, is did they put too much emphasis on a spreadsheet and not enough value on a star dependable player? And I think I have an idea based on what you already said of where you stand on that debate. Well, I, I will. Uh, this is what I think they were thinking from a, a player evaluation standpoint. And, and, and Dennis just, just noted this. Um, it's that uh, Kinlaw is a, is a different player than Buckner. If Buckner had a fault, it's that he's too tall, he, he, and he played tall. Long legs, um, really wasn't able to kind of um, hold the point like they wanted to, um, wasn't a, a take on double-team guy. So if you had uh, Kinlaw and Armstead next to each other, 
that's a, that's a very nice compliment right there. You know, one of the issues last year is that Nick Bosa got hurt and Solomon Thomas got hurt, and it was one defensive end after another. So uh, instead of Eric Armstead playing next to Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead had to play defensive end, which he's had to do quite a bit this year too. So he's really not playing the spot that they wanted him to. It, it's it's the the law of uh, unintended co- consequences. You you plan it to go one way, and then invariably something happens. And the 49ers had a lot of something. I mean, if you if you go back and you look at their logic, it's absolutely logical what they what they ended up doing. Unfortunately, it just hasn't worked out. With the Kinlaw injuries, with the injuries to others, with Armstead having to play much more on the end than they probably want him to. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think the bottom line from what Shanahan said today is that, you know, the, the Kinlaw story is still not written. And I think Dennis agrees with this, is that this is a setback this year. The, the contrast on Sunday is not going to look good. But over time, Kinlaw still, still has plenty of potential and plenty of room to make this look like a savvy move. Yeah, and, and it's up to him. You know, injuries are injuries, and, and you're going to be hurt. You're going to be beat up, especially playing defensive line. So it's up to him, you know, how he wants to approach it. I mean, if, if he's going to be, you know, I, I, I won't be able to play for the rest of the season. I, I need to get whatever cleaned up or just kind of work through it and then, and then work on your body on the offseason. So it's going to be up to him. And, you know, he's going to be around. Um, I, I think... I think that defensive line benefits with him in the lineup. You know, I, I, I've met the guy. He, he's, got a, he's got a good head on his shoulder. I just think he needs to understand that, you know, he's, he's got to get the reps. And the reps are super important in practice. And that's what's going to help him out a lot. Uh, and then going into the game on Sunday, you know, it's, it's going to be important for that, that middle pass rush, that middle push. Because Carson Wentz is a guy that he wants to get on the outside, but he wants to, he wants to be a guy. He wants a guy. He's a guy that can climb the pocket and, and kind of find receivers down the down the field. So it's going to be important this week. I think I think Eric Armstead, like I said, I'm going to be watching him more because you know he's the guy that they gave the money to. So I, I think he's going to feel the pressure a little bit with the fours being back. You know, in Levi Stadium, he wants to show people that they made the right decision. That I'm, I'm the guy. That uh, you know they kept around, and I'm the guy that's more valuable. And I think he's gonna, he's really gonna up his game this week against uh, against the the Colts because his old Oregon buddy DeForest Buckner is gonna be in the house. Well, the Colts are a mediocre team so far, but uh, we did mention and we were talking about you know one of their most talented pieces in DeForest Buckner. Uh, there, there's more talent that might be starting to show some signs of life. Their quarterback is Carson Wentz. Traded from the Eagles, his best action has come most recently. Obviously, Wentz uh, got run out of town there in, in Philadelphia, where things soured after his initial action in 2016 and 2017. So he's trying to rediscover his career in Indianapolis. So far, they've been the number 15 offense and the number 17 defense. So you know, ho hum, not much to write home about there. The team is two and four. Uh, they lost that barn burner to Baltimore on Monday Night Football a couple weeks ago. They're going to be hungry for a win, just like the 49ers are hungry to get back to 500 on Sunday. And uh, th- there's another parallel uh, that I think is uh, really interesting, Matt, and that's uh, at the linebacker position. The 49ers have Fred Warner. I think they need better play from Fred Warner. 
he hasn't been quite as good as he's been in 2020. He, you know, it's absolutely critical that, especially as this schedule intensifies for the 49ers or the Rams and the Cardinals also looming, but maybe also against the Colts, I think it's very necessary that he forces one of his signature takeaways. Uh, but uh, we also have to look at the other side at the linebacker position and the Colts have Darius Leonard who came into the season the same year as Fred Warner and both of those guys signed record-breaking contracts for the linebacker position this offseason. Warner is the one who blinked first so he set the record initially but then Warner, uh, Leonard broke his record and now we're going to get to see both of these exciting young players two really good linebackers on the field Sunday night. Yeah, this this, this could be uh, Chris Ballard, the, the Colts GM's greatest game because uh, the contrasts are going to be so huge. Um, I, I agree with you about Warner. Um, you know, something was off, I thought, in the Seahawks game, and I thought it was just a one-week blip. Uh, and then he didn't play all that well against the uh, the Cardinals either. So uh, I, I don't know if it's injury-related. He's not showing up on the injury report, we should note. Uh, but uh, this would be the game to, to get it going. And he could have some help in this game, um, help uh, from the weather gods in that it's going to be raining, uh, 90% chance of rain. That obviously could change between now and Sunday. But, um, the, you know, the, the 49ers had uh, just maybe their their most fun game of a fun season in 2019 in that really rainy game in Washington. Uh, that was when that, that defense just seemed to be having a ball out there. Uh, this would be the game to kind of get off the, the, the takeaway snide, all of that stuff, uh, and, and the rain could help that. The other thing that could help, uh, something that went little noticed uh, on Wednesday, Samson Ebucom did not appear on the injury report, uh, and he'd been d- dealing with a, uh, a hamstring injury all, since uh, you know early August. Uh, maybe even late July. So since training camp, he's he's been had this nagging hamstring, and I watched him. He just seemed more confident. He he seemed to be having more fun. He's not dealing with that, and they could really use that 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 bookend. Somebody good coming off the other side from Nick Bosa, uh, which uh, I said earlier is going to push uh, Eric Armstead inside more, and they'll really start to play and feel like themselves. Uh, and I think the, that uh, that would go a long way to, to turning around the season, like I said, creating more takeaways, just two so far, Dennis. And uh, maybe uh, maybe the, the Northern California rain, late arriving rain, will, uh, will help their cause. Yeah, and, you know, with, with the bye week, I think this team just kind of has to regroup and you kind of have to figure out, I mean, even from the head coach, you, you got to be better. Right. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, he's he, he's got to be a better call, play caller. Quarterbacks have to play better. You got to play more consistent football, offense and defense. This 49ers offense seems like it's, you know, that first quarter is just painful to watch sometimes because it's three and out or it's an interception, some type of turnover. And then the 49ers are kind of stuck in playing, you know, catch up for the rest of the game. And the defense is, you know, the defense comes out strong. You know, the defense is, is, is on the passer, and then it just kind of disappears in the second half. And then a lot of big splash plays happen. So what I'm hoping for is that, you know, this team has taken the bye week to, to get a little healthy, uh, but also to kind of, you know, re, re-kind of evaluate whatever, what, what, this, what this team is about, the identity. And I think the identity starts with the quarterback. It's if Jimmy G's going to play – 
play and play the Jimmy G that that we're used to 2019. Um, And then on defense, you know, you you set the tone. That's what you did. That's how you got to the Super Bowl. That's how you win football games. But you got to do it consistently for four quarters. So, you know, I, I just hope at some point there was some team meeting, players only. And someone stood up and said, you know, we got a very talented group of people in this room. We just got to play to our potential. And it starts with the head coach. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, I mean, you, you, you've you seen some of his play calls. It's been kind of like, you know, what's going on here? I mean, I understand he's got two quarterbacks now. He's got a, two different game plans. But you got to be better from the top all the way down to the bottom. Special teams, everything. Well, Garoppolo was testing out the calf at practice on Wednesday. And I thought that he looked really good in the warm-up period. He was really pushing himself with some of the throws that they're making. They had one of the assistants playing receiver and they would just point to where they wanted him to stand on the practice field and after a few minutes Garoppolo started rolling out and in both directions planting and telling the assistant to go really far down the field there was one where he heaved it 50 to 60 yards the assistant dropped it but it, it was a good pass into the end zone and uh, <laughs> yeah i mean do you see that one matt i didn't no i didn't but i i i agree with you that um he looked uh, looked like he was pushing himself and he looked like he was kind of gaining confidence in that calf throughout the session. Yeah, and I mean, so yeah, just just go over to my Twitter or YouTube or whatever, and you'll see the the video I posted. And uh, I mean, it was a it was a moonshot. I mean, he he heaved it, and he needed to put the the full you know strength of his calf into the throw, and it looked good. You know, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo's walking fine." Uh, what's wrong with him over the past couple of weeks? Well, there's a difference between walking to a podium for a press conference and uh, having your calf ready for an NFL game. And there's also a difference between warming up at practice and throwing the ball downfield and having your calf ready for an NFL game. So I think that's the question right now still in the 49ers' minds. But uh, it's trending in a in a very good direction and it better be because Trey Lance is not trending in a good direction, at least for Sunday. He wasn't out of practice today. So it, it would be Nate Sudfeld time if Jimmy Garoppolo weren't ready to go. And uh, that would really put a damper on the 49ers' chances to move to 3-3. Three and three. Yeah, and I think that's in, in sharp contrast to last year when Garoppolo tried to come back from that high ankle sprain and w- was just clearly hindered. Um, couldn't really, uh, you, you know, you saw his, his, his throws sail sometimes. Really couldn't press off that that back foot like he wanted to. That's what he was doing on Wednesday. Is it was kind of um, you know pushing off that right foot, planting, and seeing how much power he could get in there. Two different uh, injuries entirely. This this year it's a calf. Last last year it was the high ankle. So um, I agree with you. That's uh, it's a confidence issue and it's a longevity issue. I mean, if you can't move around. Um, then he's probably going to get hurt again, and that's exactly what happened with the uh, the dual high ankle sprains last year. Um, it doesn't sound as if Lance is going to play against the Colts. The question would be whether he's back in the in the number two spot uh, the following week, and it sounds like he will be. But again, sort of like Javon Kinlaw, um, having trouble making progress in in year two because he's uh, his practices have been so sporadic. I mean, um, you know, this is just uh, a bye week, and 
week six, it's not the end of the world, but this is still something where the 49ers plan for Lance to kind of get all of the uh, the scout team reps, some practice reps. He, he was going to be making incremental progress throughout the year. This puts that at least a little bit on hold this year. Again, it's a sort of unseen, uh, unforeseen consequences that uh, are affecting the present, and I think Dennis also the future at uh, at these two key spots. You know, if if Trey Lance is the future of this San Francisco 49ers football team, and you look around the NFL and you see a lot of these young quarterbacks, you know they're getting the experience. And you know, I know uh, Lance was going to be a guy that was going to sit on the bench and and kind of learn how to be a, a quarterback in the NFL, and then jump in there you know, next season or, or later this season and, and, and kind of have the keys to the franchise. But, you know, he, he seeing him against Arizona, you can tell that he's got a ways to go. I think he's raw and, you know, it, it, and, and he, he's going to take the hits. And it was interesting that he didn't even know when he hurt his knee. It was just after the game, you know, he felt his knee and then, it, you know, MRI and, you know, now he's not at practice. So this was after the game. This is the after effects of him just getting beat up. So, you know, I, I don't know, you know, what Kyle Shanahan or, or John Lynch kind of sees, but this he's a guy that needs the reps. The more he, he the more reps he gets, I think the more confidence uh, and, and the more comfortable he gets. But you can't get him in there because, you know, he's, he's going to take some shots and then you're going to have your number three overall, missing practices, and then, you know, whatever happens with that, then, is you know, your body can never recover if you continue to get hurt. My only concern is if Jimmy Garoppolo goes in there uh, Sunday night, he gets hurt again. And then we're back at, now we're back to the third string quarterback. And, you know, we know where that takes us. We've done that for a couple seasons. So it's a, it's a, it's an interesting predicament because you have this, 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 this great quarterback, all the tools, but he's, he's just raw and, and you got to give him in the games and he has an opportunity to start his first game and he ends up getting hurt. So because he wants to run the ball, he's going to take a lot of shots. He hasn't figured out how to slide yet, run out of bounds. So it's an interesting predicament, but it's it's something that the 49ers uh, injuries, at least it's something they've dealt with. I just don't know how you move forward. You know, I, I don't know how you do you get this kid in there and let him take the bumps and bruises or do you just kind of wait it and, and, and hope on the offseason and, and OTAs and, and training camp that he gets enough reps, then he can go in and actually start a football game? But it's, you know, now you've got two beat up quarterbacks and you got a third string that's now your backup. Um, and you have a quarterback that might start this week that's got a history of getting re-injured. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. And uh, I, I just hope Jimmy feels good. I hope that calf, hope that calf doesn't, you know, cause him you know, to get hurt again. Um, you know, I hope his offensive line is going to give him a lot of help. I hope uh, the play call is, you know, uh, you know, quick throws, balls out his hands real fast because if he goes down, you know, we're, we're back to a third-string quarterback. Well, it's one week at a time for the 49ers. That's how you have to treat this. You just live to fight another day. That's, that's the key right now. They're two and three. They're not sure who's healthy and who's not. But they're only half game out of the final wild card spot, so they just have to put their heads down and see if they could win a game. I, I think they're taking the right approach. They're recognizing that this is what the NFL is like. It's a couple teams at the very top, 
couple teams at the very bottom, and then about 25 teams in the middle. Just a ton of parity, and the 49ers are currently in that big blob. So you live to fight another day so that you have a chance to separate yourself, differentiate yourself as the calendar uh, eventually turns to November and then to December. Right now, I think the 49ers have a promising defense to hang their playoff hopes on. I, I know that we were criticizing the defense a lot for obviously nearly blowing the lead at Detroit. Uh, that was a game that came after the Jason Verrett injury and some substitution, so I viewed that as more of a fluke. But they did blow the final 37 seconds against Aaron Rodgers in Week 3. But since then, since the Seahawks have come in and managed only negative 12 yards through five drives, and since the Cardinals only managed 17 points against the 49ers, uh, Kyle Shanahan's defense is looking like it might be, you know, it might have a chance to be a special unit. Let's put it that way. I'm not saying that they're going to revive 2019 level efficiency, but they have shown in spurts, at least over the past two games, that uh, they could definitely be a plus factor. And as long as you have one plus factor to hang your hat on in a league of parity, you have a chance. And now that means, Matt, that the 49ers have to take the plus factor that is their defense, continue building on that, and pair it with a respectable offensive performance to reach the level of complementary football that they've been talking about but haven't attained all season. And if that happens, all of a sudden, you're sitting a lot prettier in three or four weeks if you're the 49ers because you have this game right here against Indianapolis. Then you have a trip to Chicago. Those are both eminently winnable games against teams that are on paper worse than the 49ers and then you have a two-week gauntlet you have the cardinals and you have the rams coming to levi stadium so we're going to find out a whole lot about the 49ers here over the next four weeks and i think when we talk about future plans what to do with jimmy garoppolo what to do with trey lance all this and all that uh, that might be fairly dictated for them by the time that this next four game stretch is over so uh, i say don't worry about that play these games and you'll have a good idea in about a month whether or not you're actually still in contention or w whether you're you're totally out of it. So uh, one week at a time is, I think, the only way to go right now. And your point about the defense is, is well taken, uh, Javon Kinlaw notwithstanding. Um, this is uh, healthier than they've been since week one. Kwan Williams was back on Wednesday in fall, so he'll be back at that nickel spot. I thought uh, Dante Johnson did a very admirable job filling in for him, not his natural spot. I just mentioned Samson Ebucom. He should be coming off the right side more often. He's more healthy than he was. Josh Norman and Emmanuel Mosley are as healthy as they've been. So this is a good week. They're coming off the bye. Their opponent has to travel from the Eastern time zone to them. They should win this game. Now, having said that, they played a under-fire Carson Wentz last year when he was with the Eagles. Nobody was having a rougher season than Wentz, and Wentz beat him. You know, he's, he's the type of quarterback that they sometimes have trouble with. I still don't understand always what's happening with the defensive ends with mobile quarterbacks. They, they seem to be giving away the edge quite a bit. And last year, I forget what Wentz had, but uh, he rushed the ball quite a bit. And I think he had a, a touchdown. So that's something they need to keep their eye on in this game. They're going to need to keep their eye on that against Chicago in uh, a week and a half. So other than that, I feel like this should be a win the 49ers defense should win. Jonathan Taylor is the Colts running back. He's having a great season. The 
49ers do well against uh, opposing running backs. You have to go back a, a long ways to find a 100-yard rusher, uh, a tailback rushing for 100 yards against them. I think all the way back to, boy, I think uh, Lamar Jackson actually is the last, to my point, is the last person who who's run for 100 yards against this this defense, and that was in December of 2019. So, Dennis, uh, some some good things happening on defense. We're we're, um, we're concentrating on the negatives, but uh, they are uh, getting healthier at some key spots. Yeah, and you know, and we all know. I mean, all 40, 49er fans know that the, the the key to this defense and the success is that pass rush. Uh, Nick Bosa getting after it. Uh, in the middle, Ken Law, or or if it's going to be Eric Armstead, D Ford on the other side, that is the key to this defense, and it takes the stress off that secondary. And the secondary's been up and down, you know, young guys, old guys, injuries, all that stuff. But it all all that stress goes away if you got the pass rush. And and Carson Wentz, like you said, last time he was in Levi Stadium, I mean, he had his career game. Uh, probably his best game of his season that last season with Philadelphia. So, you know, you got to you got to contain you know mobile quarterbacks, uh, and you can't let them get outside and make plays down the football field. So, you know, this defense goes as as the pass rush goes, and we've seen in a lot of games the pass rush is there, but it it it's not consistent. Uh, and in nineteen, it was consistent. In third and long, it was off the field. You know, there was no penalties. There was no uh, first, you know, third and 15 and, you know, a 17-yard pass down the football field. So this defense is good on paper, but you have to go out in between the lines and you have to play. And, you know, this is, you know, you got one of the best linebackers, you know, in the business. You got two of the best outside pass rushers in the business. Uh, You just have to show up, you know, those third and longs, and you got to get off the football field and give your, your, your offense an opportunity to score points. And on the same, the offense has to score points. I mean, it has to be, you know, it has to be a, a complete effort by everybody. But this defense is is ruled by this pass rush. And, and that's what's going to be important. That's why you have a Nick Bosa and you have a D Ford because you want to get after quarterbacks, um, you know, on third down. Jonathan Taylor, I mean, he has, he's had a couple, you know, home run, I mean, long runs. I mean, if you can contain him and put the ball in, in Carson Wentz, he's a big dude. But he's kind of a mobile guy. He's kind of a scrappy guy. You got to contain him and get some hints on him. So it goes as the pass rush goes, but the pass rush has to be consistent. Well, we'll see what they could do against the Colts, who obviously have invested so much in their offensive line over the past several years. It was too little too late, though, for the purposes of saving Andrew Luck's career. He retired at age 29, and that was already, what, four years ago? Oh, no, no. Two years ago, two or three years ago, it was in 2019, the the night that the 49ers were playing the Chiefs in the preseason of the year that they would eventually head to the Super Bowl to face the Chiefs again. That's when Andrew Luck shockingly announced his retirement. And, you know, the the primary reason I think it was obvious to everybody was that he was hurting physically. It's because the Colts couldn't protect him. And then they started investing a tremendous amount of draft capital into their offensive line. But uh, again, it was too little too late. And now they're trying to benefit from uh, what they did invest uh, in front of Carson Wentz, although Quentin Nelson is on injured reserve. So uh, that doesn't really help the Colts cause. But the 49ers up front are going to have to try to beat that Indianapolis offensive line. 
Uh, they're going to have to play good complementary defense, and I think that we've seen that start to happen, especially with Emmanuel Mosley back in the lineup. He, he's playing his best football so far of a relatively young career. Josh Norman is the cornerback on the other side, and Russian coverage were working cohesively together against the Arizona Cardinals. Now, if the 49ers can get their linebacker play back up to what it was in 2020, mix it in with that secondary consistency. I think Kwan Williams will also help in that regard and uh, continue to unleash on the pass rush front. Well, then this defense is something that they could base, uh, you know, their their playoff hopes on. But ultimately, this is an offensive league, and they have to get just something. They have to get something from that offense as far as game control goes, controlling the flow. Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt came out and said it's it's all about rhythm for this offense, and that's an observation I've made before about Jimmy Garoppolo. And I guess that the offense as a whole can fit into that entire you know overarching observation because they're all try- they're all trying to play cohesively as a unit, but r- rhythm has been something that's eluded the 49ers, whether it be because of a failed third down conversion early in some of the first games of the season, or uh, whether it be because of special teams miscues. Uh, it, it, you saw it against the, the Seahawks, a missed field goal, and then that fumbled kick return prevented the 49ers offense from A, building a two-possession lead, and B, getting the ball back when they could have developed some kind of rhythm. Well, the 49ers need to do what it takes to get into rhythm and control the flow of this game. And no matter how good their defense is or can be, ultimately rhythm is very dependent on the offense moving the chains and scoring points. And that's something that just hasn't happened enough this year. Yeah, and I think that's all due to the the running game and uh, you know the the loop that this team was thrown for when Raheem Mostert went down early on. That that really seemed to destabilize quite a bit. Um, and if there's one sort of uh, silver lining from the first five games, I think it's the emergence of Elijah Mitchell. I think um, you know they they knew that this guy. Uh, had good balance. They knew that he had good speed. What they what they learned about him uh, in in these first five games was that he was also a tough guy. Uh, I think the the shoulder injury w- will end up having been more serious than what uh, what they were letting on, and that he mostly played through that. And um, you know, so it's a it's a pain tolerance thing, which as everyone knows, as Dennis knows full well, is is uh, such a gigantic part of playing in the NFL. And also, well, he, he takes on tacklers. I mean, he's, he's lowering his shoulder. That's how he got the shoulder injury. Um, he's driving guys backward. And uh, I think uh, Bobby Turner certainly appreciates that. I think Kyle Shanahan appreciates that. He's going to be the guy um, in this Colts game that, that's going to have to be sort of the, uh, the opposite to Jonathan Taylor. Uh, but I, I think that they are optimistic about him and about him getting a little bit better and better uh, with every coming game. Yeah, and you know, like I said earlier, I mean, this this offense doesn't really have a, a an identity. I mean, Raheem goes down, and 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 then it's you know you don't have your run game, uh, and you know, you, and, and then you have a quarterback that's a little bit inconsistent. And it just you have no identity, and you have players. You know, you got Debo who's having a fantastic season. But then you have other players like Brandon Ayuk. I think you have to figure out a way to get him the ball. I mean, he would—he had such a phenomenal rookie season, and then he's just kind of disappeared. And I think you have to figure out, I mean, who's on this offense that can be your p- big play guys? Debo, Brandon Ayuk, uh, George Kittle, who's injured. 
But you have to figure out, you know, it, you know, get your running game together, figure out who the quarterback is, who who is going to be the quarterback and, and kind of go with that. Get an identity and get some consistency and, and you know, and start games fast. Um, but I think I think the key to this offense is, you know, Kyle Shanahan getting back into, you know, his playbook. And, and you know, we we've already kind of pegged him as this offensive genius. You know, use a Brandon Ayuk, use a Debo, and figure out how you can get them the ball. Bubble screens, smoke screens, anything to get them the ball to get some explosive plays. I think this offense is just missing some type of identity because you don't have one player, two players that you can kind of go to for your big plays. Well, we'll see if they can establish it against the Colts. Again, this is a middling Colts team at best right now, but it does have talent. The 49ers have to find their matchups, exploit them, and... Uh, I think the roster overall for the 49ers is better than Indy's roster, especially if Jimmy Garoppolo plays. The 49ers should be set at the quarterback position to to deliver a winnable effort. Uh, predictions. Uh, you know, I've been I don't I've lost count of how many weeks in a row I've been wrong here. I think I think I was right against Arizona. I think I picked the 49ers to lose. So maybe I was right on that one. But still, I've been wrong a lot. I think this week I'll be right, though. I think the 49ers do win this week. I think this team improves a 3-3. Three and three, And my predicted score is 49ers 27, Colts 17. That's a good one. I like I like that one. Yeah, we, we've been uh, just as bad as the 49ers have been this season in our predictions. <laughs> we can't really judge them <laughs> too much. But I, I think it's it's a win, and I think it, it has to be a win almost. Um, and... Uh, um, they should win. I mean, they're the team that's that's coming off the bye. They're the team that's got to be feeling a little bit better physically. They're the team that's playing at home, which has not been a great place for the 49ers. Uh, and maybe, like I said earlier, uh, the rain will b- bring a uh, sort of a, a fun quotient, a takeaway quotient, back to uh, the equation for them, which is uh, which is part of their formula. So I'm going to go. Uh, I, I, I I want the rain to come down. I want to see Nick Bosa hydroplaning on his chest across uh, Levi's Stadium. And if that's the case, I think it'll be a lower-scoring game. I'm going to go 20-10 to 10 49ers. You know, after the bye week, you know, you, 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 got a little, you, you got a little more pep in your step. You're at home. You know, it won't be hot. It'll be raining. Uh, I think the crowd will be into it. I, I just I think the 49ers have... You know, they've had their time. They, they kind of reevaluate. I think they come against a Colts team. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I like the 20-17 to 17, um, 49ers to win the football game. But I just think that they, you know, they, they, they finally get it together. I think the defense finally gets it together. Uh, and you have an opportunity against this, this, this Colts team, even though they're coming off a big win. But I think you can kind of sneak up on them. Uh, and uh, surprise them a little bit because your pass rush is going to be there. Yeah, we, I mean, and we've seen different components of potential 49ers excellence on display throughout the course of the first five weeks of this season. Of course, the defense has been overpowering through parts of the year. Of course, the offense has looked really good through little spurts, and of course, the special teams has as well. It just hasn't all happened at once. I mean, the closest the 49ers got to that I would say would be maybe the second half of Philadelphia where they're delivering a a 95-yard drive while smothering the Eagles. That wasn't against the great team. And, you know, the the Eagles, I think, got really hurt when they lost Brandon Graham 
Uh, that that was really the the tipping point of that game and and maybe even the Eagles season uh, against the 49ers. So the, they were operating against an undermanned team when they were looking at their best there. Maybe in the second half against the Packers, the 49ers looked good, but it was still shaky and they're still desperate. They're trying to come back. I know they look solid against the Lions, but the Lions are terrible, so I'm not even counting that. So we're we're just looking for the 49ers to put it all together against a decent opponent because they're going to have to put it all together against very good opponents when the Cardinals come calling and when the Rams come calling. So this game against the Colts is, is a chance to, to start building up to that as we move out of the bye week. All right, for Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you next time on the Here's the Catch podcast. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.